This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Before we get into a topic, I have some exciting news. The winner of our Throne of Eldraine giveaway mm-hmm. was Mr. Foles. Uh, we'll be contacting him in the Discord, notifying him, hey, you're the big winner. Please contact us for postal information. And of course, we're still taking signups for my NAMI 5K at mtgnami.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be in May. As of right now, we're still going strong. So please, please sign up for that. So, topics. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorites that we've done in a while. Yeah. The potential for financial growth through external use of the IP. So what that means is Wizards has admitted in some ways it is incapable of designing its own product and needs to outsource to other people. Yep. So what does that mean for Magic financially, and what does it mean for you as a player even? Mm-hmm. That's what we're getting into. Yep. So let's get So previously uh, we've seen this where they have licensed the likenesses of their Planeswalkers to Funko to make pops out of, and uh, I forgot what company made the little six-inch Planeswalker articular figures a number oh, of years yeah. ago. It wasn't McFarlane, but it was like, similar. Yeah, yeah. and th- those things came and went, but what we're looking at right now is finally taking Magic back into the video game space. So Magic has existed... Uh, digitally since the early 2000s, and they've come up with... Microprose Magic was the best magic. Yeah, and they have come up with some very contrived ways to attempt to play Magic the Gathering uh, on your computer that isn't actually playing with the cards. And we're not just talking about Duel of the Planeswalkers. Like, there used to be games where... uh, There was one circa 2002 or 2003 where you were one of the pit fighters from Onslaught, so, like, Arcanus, Silvos... um, the blue one that nobody cares about, or that is Arcanus, uh, Rorik, uh, Kamal instead of Rorik, shit like that, right? Yeah. And that game did not sell well, but it was interesting to play. And it worked kind of like a proto version of um, the Versus system, where every, yeah. like, you got your Amana every turn by basically existing, and then you just made Wood Elves and fought them all day long. Yeah, or you could build up mana and then save it for the next turn. You could yeah. use your creatures, their abilities, etc. Yep. It was and, wildly mediocre, would be an understatement. Yeah. Cult favorite, though. Uh, it, but it what, lo, what we're looking at coming down the pipe are two brand new uses of the IP. One is for a dungeon crawler, if you want to call it that. ARPG, action RPG, is the actual genre for the game. It is essentially a Diablo clone. So this is a game where it looks like you can play in upwards of teams of three. You pick a Planeswalker, you get some spells, you go. It looks very much like they're trying to make a simpler Diablo 2 clone with this. And another game called uh, Magic... Sorry, the first one is Magic Legends. This one is Magic Mana Strike. The next one we're going to talk about. And this is a battle chess clone yes and that is kind of its own subgenre of of thing i had to verify that i wasn't sure if it was called battle chess or not we kind of came to agreement on it could be battle chess or there's another a term you threw out i can't remember what it is uh idle battlers idle battlers okay yeah it's uh 
so the thing that I'm kind of interested in here is so the Legends game is mm-hmm. made by a perfect world. So a perfect world also made the um, Neverwinter game that's not Neverwinter Nights, but the MMO mm-hmm. that is on Xbox, it's on PC. Uh, it has some pretty neat tools on PC to like design your own modules. Oh, which yeah. is cool. People love doing uh, that. Yeah. Uh, but they're very microtransaction heavy, which is interesting to me because as much fire as companies have come under for doing these things, it's interesting to see that Wizards is like actively engaging in that, especially mm-hmm. because based on the trailers we saw, uh, it's kind of like a pseudo deck builder and you buy booster packs because like you randomly have you like you pick your spells right mm-hmm. like you said but you have four that generate and when you cast one of them it goes back to your deck and another spell comes out um, the thing that's interesting is that generally outside of wand of gamelon which for those of you that don't know look it up it's a disaster and third-party licensing. It was a leg- Legend of Zelda game that Nintendo licensed out to 3DO. Oh it's awful. Anyways, outside of that, generally stuff like this kind of raises the scope. It raises your exposure because you do get into an audience that literally may know nothing about your game. Yep. The problem with Legends for me is microtransactions. Because, like, there was a lawsuit in Europe about this where they basically told EA, like, you got to label this as gambling. Yep. And that's something that they have tried to stay away from because if it's gambling, then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of regulations that now the IRS and everyone care about with magic. And that's kind of, I, that's why some people get into the industry because it's cash only, it's unregulated. You can admittedly do shady shit, which is where the negative connotation for MTG finance comes from. Yes. But it'll be interesting to see how that affects the profile. Mm -hmm. And then we have, the battle chest. Battle chest. So I'm curious how you feel about that one. Um, I'm actually more worried about the battle chest clone than I am Magic Legends. I think Magic Legends is just going to float along, and it's probably not going to do anything more than that. Compared, uh, I think there you have good examples of ARPGs and bad examples of ARPGs, and they are the gap between the two is huge, and this can that can just float along. Battle chess, there you really have one major player in the space now besides actual chess, and that's Riot Games. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to steal any market share from that, but you have to build your game to basically be like that. It's the same yeah. kind of thing of like Arena's not like Hearthstone, but they had to build Arena to feel like Hearthstone. So that's my concern. I watched a company uh, called Hi-Rez do this. They have uh, yeah. their primary game right now is a game called Smite, and it is a a MOBA, the massive online battle arena, and it was like fifth or sixth to market way back in the early 2010s when uh, League of Legends spawned out of Warcraft Three and Defense of the Ancients spawned yeah. out of Warcraft Three. You know, Smite yeah. came along. And Smite's just been kind of floating there. It's not bad. It's not great. It just no. is. But they were very early on Battle Chess. Probably two to three years ago they were working on this. And they've had um, a lot of their internal employees streaming it. And it looked great. But the adoption just wasn't there for whatever reason. And then all of yeah. a sudden, League hit. 
with Team Fight Tactics or whatever it's called and blew the doors off it. And that's yep. that's where you have like the high res product and the reason I'm harping on this is because I got to watch it over a course of months just kind of play out in the hands of their employees and what it was like. It was good. But it wasn't as good as Team Fight Tactics is. So if Monostrike isn't as good, people might just fall out of Monostrike and into Team Fight Tactics. And now you've lost them as potential converts to Arena or to Paper. I don't think it's going to be bad overall because it's going to be hokey and planeswalkery and whatever planeswalker you choose will be the most important piece on the, the battlefield, etc. Yeah. I'm worried that they're not going to want to attempt to make a competitor to teamfight tactics and thus the product just falls flat. Is worse. Yeah. So I, I share the concern about making a product worse than teamfight, but it's not because I don't think they'll want to make a competitor. It's because I think they're idiots. But I definitely see the risk there because the whole point of this is that you're trying to bring people in. Right? Yep. You're trying to get more exposure in broader markets and make your product more available, more accessible. Mm -hmm. And if it fails, we, the people who are still around and playing the card game, get to be the ones that pay the price. Because all of a sudden, well, guess what? They lost all that money. Who's going to make up for them not having all that money? Yep. Us. That's just how it is. And I think that that's, that's one of the things I'm concerned about both products with. I just think that the way things have gotten around the climate of microtransactions, that's why I'm more worried about that. But I definitely understand the val like the dangers of making an inferior product when a better one exists. Especially because, and you may disagree, to this point, Wizards has largely been immune to that. There hasn't been a better CCG. Like, Pokemon's there, but it's a completely different market that they work with. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh's there, but it's a completely different market. The only product that you see that you may lose people to is poker. But that's the product as the game rather than the product as a financial vehicle, an investment vehicle. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's no secondary market there. It's just, you know, are you at a 3-5 table or a 10-12? Okay. Like whatever, whatever the case may be. Yep. And I think that's going to be interesting because Wizards, when it comes to new markets, they're not great. No. So I, it, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think long-term-wise, in your opinion, these things will do financially? Uh, I, don't th I don't think the microtransactions inside those games are going to turn people off for the kinds of people that want to pay for them. Every game that you can think of on mobile that has microtransactions has its set of whales. Yeah, that's fair. That people and uh, Various communities know them as different things, but generally it's some large aquatic animal, a whale, a shark, what, what have yeah. you. It's just people that spend an absurd amount of money per month on this game that they're yeah. playing. So my expectation is that no matter which way you go with microtransactions in either games, there will be those people that pay into them, and those those people will keep the servers alive for a while, even if the games die out. My yeah. my hope on, of hopes is that the games tie enough into the card game itself that people convert back and okay. grow the product. I would love if a lot of those whales actually went in search of 
a way to play the game that wasn't arena and instead backed into moto or paper and brought that same kind of money and enthusiasm to the raw game itself that would be great yeah that's that's my hope yeah is that those that, people and that's move fair I, uh, I I definitely I, I can understand and feel that. I hope that happens. Mm-hmm. But what I think happens is that this is a money pit that Wizards is going to get sucked into. And it's not a money pit because that's what it is. It's a money pit because that's what Wizards is going to make it into. Yeah. Uh, how many products now have we had announced, launched, whatever? Six months later, hey, we're done. Dual decks, premium deck series from the vaults, spell books. Well, the nice part of this is it's all handled off-site, right? So it's on those people to take marching orders from Watson That's every fair. now and again. Yeah. But I do agree with that in a, a, in a similar way, but it's circling around the microtransactions that they offer. That's fair, yeah. The reason that a lot that these people are called whales or sharks is not just because they dumped that much money in there. It's because the games that they're dumping those mon- that money into are pay-to-win style games. Yeah. And even if you have whales within your game, if all you're doing are offering skins, basically cosmetics, you're yeah. not going to see that much enhancement. If you know buying more packs, <laughs> be it uh, dedicated uh, groupings of cards, you know, like they did for Ravnica Allegiance, where you could buy like the Azor yeah. pack, and it was like yeah. a predetermined set. That kind of stuff you'll see a lot more income from and your whales will buy into. If it's here, have this fox and this cat and this uh, dragon whelp pet that do nothing, you're not going to see a lot of ROI on your your player base. Your whales just won't show up. Yeah. I I think the other thing, too, is like, so uh, take like Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, for example. That's the type of thing that... The whales exist, and there is a, like, pay-to-win element to it, mm-hmm. but there's no financial gain. It's literally just, like, validation of some sort. Yep. And I think that that's, that's where it gets to be in the acceptable territory. As long as I can, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, dump into all of this gotcha game. Yep. And my gotchas don't work out. Fine. And some people are going to get the gotchas to work out. I think as long as they stay on that side of it, which admittedly, uh, Perfect Worlds have been pretty good about mm-hmm. throughout their history. They've been very good about their pay to win. Yeah, isn't really maybe, pay to win because you don't win anything. Yeah, I was gonna, maybe pay to win's the wrong turn of phrase to use here. Maybe it's pay to to win sooner because yeah. the the Final it's, Fantasy it's, game is a good example where. You can you generate your characters. You basically hatch your characters like a Pokemon. Yeah. And you can hatch the same character that people can buy. Yeah. At the same strength, it just takes you longer to do so. Yeah. It's not and World then, of Tanks where you can't attain the best tank unless you pay for it. Yeah. So. And that's that's I was the wrong, model yeah. that I hope they stick with because if they do stick with that and they do like, and admittedly, you know I. There was a character I missed in that game because I played it for a while. Sorry. I always saw players up here that do. Yeah, I know. I same. Uh, they bought it. I bought into it, and there was a drop that I missed. So I grinded out for thirteen months to get Titus mm-hmm. because I missed his drop. And like, yeah, I could have just 
basically paid for him and cheated him during his drop at like a 10x drop rate. But I didn't, and I had to grind it out. Yeah. And I think that that's... If there is a player group that is more tolerable to having to grind it out, it's probably Magic players. And Diablo players. And Diablo players. God, that game is so good. They fixed it, pick it up. Trust me. And and Reptar, he plays yeah. too. Yeah, I play, uh, I play Seasons. Yeah, fair. So, um, I think... So, in that regard, like, Magic Legends is, is an acceptable grind. You don't have to do a pay-to-win there, necessarily, unless you're unlocking characters or... Um, <clears throat> additional spells that you could just farm up naturally. Yeah. And especially that's a co-op game, so it's not that bad to put microtransactions in there because it's you're not pay to win against another player. It's a, yeah. a player versus environment style game, PvE, as opposed to player versus player PvP, which is uh, what Ma- uh, Monastrike is, excuse me. Yeah, the battle chess. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't doubt that one of these two is going to have and failed is the wrong word to use here, but a kind of failed microtransaction system because you yeah. can't just expect everybody to pay for everything all the time. No, certainly not. And it might not just work with your system. If yeah. if you're still utilizing a deck building style strategy, you're most likely going to be selling packs, not individual items. And as such, if they're quote unquote random, that's where you'll see your whale show up and just buy infinite random high chance yeah. uh, things and let everybody else grind it out. I'm just well, hoping, like I said, that this is appealing enough that the play style is similar enough to bring people back into the game because at no point prior has a, aside from maybe Duels of the Planeswalker, uh, has a Magic virtual product that wasn't Moto or Arena actually played out like Magic the Gathering enough to want people to make people yeah. want to actually investigate the game itself. I, especially in like the era where this mass access exists. So one of the closest games that I ever played was Microprose Magic, way back in the day, or Chandelar, where you're oh, a planeswalker yeah. walking around, and then you play a planeswalker in a game of Magic. Yeah. And of course, it, you know, it was before PB, you know, internet existed or anything, so we would just wander around and play an AI. But the games played just like Magic. The issue was that was from a period where you weren't advertising for that product. You were giving it to your already captive audience. Yep. And now we're at the point where, thanks to technology, growth of the internet, et cetera, et cetera, I'm old, deal with it, we're seeing growth occur externally. So they're trying to harness that market and bring it in. Yep. So we haven't had, again, outside of Duels of the Planeswalkers or Arena, an experience which is like playing a game of Magic. Mm-hmm. Because Moto was not a product designed to bring new players in. It, it wasn't. No. It was for people, you know, and they may have said it was. That's that's a lie. It was that's... basically planted next to uh, 7th edition booster displays originally. It had, like, the Elvish Champion uh, yeah. 7th edition art on the, on the booklet and then the CD inside for the beta or the public yep. beta. Like, you had to know what you were looking at, essentially, to want to pick it up. It wasn't an AOL CD that you were just grabbing as you were leaving the store. Yeah, or was showed up in your mailbox mysteriously, and nobody ever had problems with that. Um, it, it's so this is this is a different beast, and that's that's what concerns me is you know in keeping with the way things are, sky is falling, magic is dying. I don't trust wizards to like deliver a good product, but as you mentioned, 
it's not up to wizards to deliver the product. It's up to companies that basically do this professionally. Yeah. So hopefully I... that means we get a better product. Um, personally, I'm probably going to be trying out the Diablo clone. I love Diablo. I love games that reward me for clicking my mouse a bunch. Yep. Look, I just got a legendary. That's great. And <laughs> I, I love the, the cheese wheel. So I'm going to play it. It might not be good. I might hate myself for playing it. I'm going to try it at least. Yeah, it definitely looks like the more appealing of the two just because uh, yet another real-time battler isn't something I'm interested in. Yeah. So even when I saw the first uh, bits of Monostrike advertised during a Watsy stream, it just it didn't speak to me because I, I've watched, like I said, the high-res one come and go. And I'm pretty sure there's a battle chess on the Nintendo 64. So if I really want to play something that's hilarious and awesome, but at the same time, I will just play that. Yeah. I think it's Claymation, not 100%. Yeah, Clay Fighters. The game was great. Well, I mean, that was a fighting game itself, but oh, I think yeah, there was yeah, actual, like, Battle Chess 64, and I could be wrong yeah. about this. But I, I'm happy that they're branching out. I'm happy with the companies they chose, and I'm happy with the way the games look, at least. I mean, you can't just walk, like... Not across the street because Activision Blizzard is two states away and knock on the door and say, hey, can you make an ARPG for us that looks exactly like the one you make but with our characters instead? No, you can't. But at least they went to a company that's established and has a yeah. dedicated following with people. Like, that's the yeah. big one. I don't know who made Age of Conan or or the Lord of the Rings MMO or any of the other ones that tried to Lord of the Rings is also made by a perfect world. There you go. So they have experience in attempting to kill World of Warcraft. Yeah. And and now they're attempting to kill Diablo. Yeah. So as long as Wizards is on the train of attempting to kill Blizzard Activision titles, which by no means do I think anyone is on enough cocaine at Wizards of the Coast to think that's the case. Yeah, you'll never you'll never take down that juggernaut. No. But I, I think that Maybe it's in the right hands. Yeah. Maybe it'll be fine. All right, I'll yeah. admit it. I, like I said, my, my hope is that we get enough people to convert over. Financially speaking, I think the only thing that matters in regards to an, this IP being sold is when the whales move over as well. Yeah. Uh, we, and I, I think that it's going to be really interesting because one of the things I'm curious about is since we basically have seasons now with the Pro Tour... Mm -hmm which we're approaching modern season, like I touched on last cast. Is that something that's going to tie into those games so that those whales have a little bit of, not like free information because everyone has it, but a little bit of encouragement, right? Yeah. To try to go in on, okay, well, modern's about to happen. Uh, I want to play this game. What should I get now? Because yes. if enough of them get into it with enough money, and to be clear... I, I want to, like, some people may be watching this, listening, and saying, whales in, like, a phone game, ha, 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 whatever. There's people who spend thousands of dollars on these games a month yeah. because they have the money. Why do you think people just... keep remaking Clash of Clans clones? Because there are whales for those games. They pay thousands of dollars a month. Thousands a month. And if you get enough of those people in, that's actually a pretty big impact on the financial side of the game. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think, like, that's that's the important thing. Yep. And Getting those people to transfer over, 
will have a big impact yep. because you know rising water raises all the ships. Yep. And the success of the IPO in somebody else's hand, regardless of the form, also has the ability to bring in additional collectors as well, outside of those who are just interested in the games itself. You can look yeah. at um, Marvel, you know, Marvel Comics, the the rights to everybody but Spider-Man essentially being picked up by Disney and doing Disney doing right by that company. Yeah. Every every Marvel collectible that was worth a damn has X tuppled. Yeah, since the movie and series started, and because you have Disney collectors, there's... who all of a sudden can now collect Marvel. Yep, uh, and just the, the the amount of people who see that as being kind of this protected, sacred cow of an IPO. Now it can't go, it can't tank again. It's being floated. No. So yeah. with these two games coming out, and I think the Netflix series is still in development. Even... Yeah, it's still in development. Now. Yeah, even if these things do medium, you have the ability to bring people over. You just might might not convert at a great rate. Yeah, but and it, I, I, I think that up. outside of you know, as I touched on, microtransactions being negative for it, you're probably not going to lose a bunch of people. No, realistically, I, no, no, not at all. It's just like like I said, you've got to wait for those people to to convert over and i'm sure they'll get the same advertisements and arena for streaming events yeah that <coughs> sorry they'll get the same advertisements in those two games at the splash screens that people get an arena for whatever events are going on and that'll oh, yeah, be the sure. attempted tie-in yeah you know if it and works brilliant and i'm sure it'll be eventually we'll see like twitch promotions here's a discount code for this game go download it yep uh, the nice Wait. thing is that Legends can be streamed on uh, PC immediately, so you get more eyes on the Magic IPO there. And yeah. you can stream phone games, you just have to emulate it, but I don't know what the TOS is in regards to emulating a phone game and then streaming it on Twitch. I don't think you can do that. It, well, it depends on the game individually, and there's some people that have contacted the companies to be like, hey, can you, like, is it cool if I do this? Can mm. I get legal documentation? And they do, but I can't imagine... And, and that's, to that point, that's where it gets kind of sticky, because Magic, you know, if they're doing an arena stream, they don't want another Magic stream going. That's why yeah. Channel can't always cover GPs, because if there's an arena stream going, yeah. or whatever, it's they can't guys. have a competing stream. Mm -hmm. So that, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, and that's, that's one thing that I, you know, it's not necessarily going to hurt, but I think It'll be interesting to see how many eyes that brings. Yeah, definitely. If they do that. Yeah, so uh, all in all, uh, with Monostrike being released in January and it just kind of floating along thus far, it doesn't seem like it's blowing the doors off things, but it doesn't seem to be doing wrong by the company either. We just got to wait for Legends, which might have the larger appeal, and then see where things go from uh, from there. Yeah. But, all right, pick? Yes. So... Uh... I'm getting a little ahead of myself on this one, and I'll admit it. We're going back to Zendikar. Uh, what are some tribes that are always good on Zendikar? Uh, elves. Elves, Green Ramp, Eldrazi, and allies. Allies are always good. There is an allied city of Brass in Battle for Zendikar. Ally encampment. Specifically, I am going after the foil. Low is like 60 cents. The reason I say the foil is because 
I'm a little scared about a reprint of a non-foil in one of the commander decks. Because now that we get commander decks with every single set, yep. we have to worry about the card getting reprinted in a commander deck. Fine, whatever. But uh, at a foil of that price, it's a type of card that spikes every time allies get announced. We had Hagra Diabolist, uh, Halamar Excavator. There's also all of the ally food chain EDH deck, uh, decks that are out there. So I think it's pretty inevitable that that card spikes. Does it stick? I don't know. Is it real? I don't know. What matters is getting in now while it's affordable and outing during the hype yep. so that you can make a margin. And at about you know 50 cents a piece, it's really hard not to get out ahead. Yeah. So and even if you go like 100 deep, sure. Yeah. If you out them at $2, you've quintup or you've quadruple x and that seems fine no i uh, i agree and and i like it there's also the uh the interesting nugget of information that there wasn't there was a modern allies deck for a hot second it was it popped up and disappeared right around when people were working on uh creature based aggro decks that eventually seemed to evolve into humans it was basically like a five color creature deck and then a four color creature deck and eventually scaled back down into only humans get rid of everything yep. else uh, it was the first deck i saw that used pillar of perunes in oh, modern. Yeah. so this was a deck allies that was kind of here and gone and it, it played basically a green white shell if i remember correctly and was just like all the aggressive allies that when another one entered it just gave you know, pluses to the Got team. Bigger, or some, yeah, yeah, something. Some good keyword. So there does exist the opportunity that with yet another set and with the way that creatures have been trending where they power up creatures and also reduce the CMC that we we will start seeing some larger effects on smaller CMCs, making this a more viable quote-unquote option, kind of like sliver tier in modern. Yeah. And at that point, if you're playing three colors where you want to splash for something out, you need you have this land to go alongside the other human base. Humans doesn't have this land. Yeah. Uh, they have to use Ancient Ziggurat, which obviously Allies also uses. Also, yep. it's interesting that you mentioned being Slivers tier, uh, because this weekend at Missouri Regionals, there was a Slivers deck that came very close to top eighting. So, All right. Maybe it has legs. Who knows? No, they're just Meat Hooks. Yeah, Meat Hooks is great. For anybody that remembers... Force. Yeah, for any exactly for anybody that remembers that deck, um, pretty great. Yeah, I I like Encampment. I can't remember how many I have, but it was one of those things that I held on to because I always thought that allies would do better in EDH as a tribe. Um, yeah, you had it, allies was kind of a, a loss until Battle for Zendikar in regards to EDH because I don't think there was a five color ally until you got uh, Tazri, who I was just looking at now, which is yeah, it, it costs and he's great for food chain. Yeah, but. And it, it's only a five-color ally kind of by happenstance because it has the Wooberg in the in the box. Yeah, and the rules text. Yeah, that's what I meant. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... He's he's basically mono-white, but he gives you the option to play every ally you could want to. And yep. I think that having that option makes a card like Ally and Kimmon much stronger. Yeah, and if we do get an EDH reprint, it's only going to be the non-foil. It won't be the foil. The only way we would get this is if we go back to Zendikar and they decide to put this in the promo packs. Yeah, uh, which it's interesting because the non-foil is only like 
I mean, yeah, it's like four or five cents. But at like 40 to 50 cents difference, do you really care about the non-foil? Wouldn't you rather just get the foil? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Now, this, this is a, a nice low-impact long-term hold. Yeah. Because we, we, can, we have expectations in front of us. This is something where you can definitely get way, way far out ahead. Yeah. Like, I can buy seven non-foils right now for 15 cents a piece. Seems pretty good. Yeah, that's the largest quantity above two that I can buy. Yeah, these are like quarters for the non-foil. It's ridiculous how cheap this card is. And like you said, it, it, if you out the foil for $2, it's it's insane the, the margin you have. So Pretty good. Yeah, I, I like it. Definitely. Uh, <clears throat> my, uh, my pick this week uh, is solely EDH. Uh, related, it's just a card that I've been toying with the idea of for a while, and it is uh, Time Wipe, the board wipe out of War of the Spark. Yep. And it's effectively just kind of floated along. Uh, it's not that great in blue-white control in EDH. You most likely want to play it in Bant because of the Return of Creature clause on it, where you can essentially just keep wrathing the board. Yeah. And you just take absolute control. It costs uh, five which is kind of a danger zone for board wipes in EDH when you have Wrath of God, uh, you have Day of Judgment, you have Damnation at, uh, and Supreme Verdict all at four. Yeah. And then when you're looking at fives, you basically have End Hostilities. That's kind of the most immediate comparison we have between these two, uh, between Wrath sizes, quote-unquote. And end hostilities is way easier to cast. It's just three and two white, but it's yeah. about uh, forty cents right now. It actually is cheaper than time wipe. The thing that I noticed about time wipe over the last couple of weeks is that it's just been ticking up in percentage on EDH rec, just yeah. up and up slowly, but it's been going yeah. up and up and up, and the price has stayed stable ever since. You can see if I zoom in, I'll bring in us back to stocks there's actually been a decent uptick in the last couple of days otherwise it's just kind of floated along and this is a card that just comes in set non-foil set foil and then the open house full art which is gorgeous it is i i managed to nab one but the the set non-foil is where i'm looking for this okay it is the, the the cheapest option. If you want to move it on foil, that's perfectly fine too. The open house is the one I, I just wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say if you go foil, I think open house has got to be the one to go for. Yeah, uh, it definitely is. But I would think that is actually just a better hold to play. I think there's room to grow on it, but not as much room to grow as uh, the, the, the set foil. Yeah, uh, you can yeah. also get this in pre-release foil. I'm sorry if I didn't mention that. Oh, so there are a bunch yeah. of ways to get it. Um, when I was looking at this card last week and I picked it. The op there's actually an opportunity for arbitrage immediately. You could actually oh. buy the non-foil off TCG player and get and be positive in credit at, at Card Kingdom. Mm. So there was That's pretty solid. Yeah. So there was already arbitrage opportunity immediately, which tells you that there is demand for this card. You know, yeah. If Card Kingdom's moving it and they're looking to buy it at higher than TCG selling it, then somebody's in the wrong here, and it's most likely TCG players just racing to the bottom at a time where there is demand that they just don't realize. Yeah. You know, 
These are guys who just listed the cards they want to get rid of them. They didn't take the time to do the market research. And this is where you can capitalize. This is one of these opportunities. For sure. So I think right now you can look for immediate arbitrage or you can hold on to it for, let's see, war. I can never remember, thanks to what happened with the battle for Zendikar rotation. What is in standards.com? Please tell me. It's the best. It really is. So, Q4 2020. Yep, so we have basically until September Yeah. to, to see this card tank. And it's already, it's already dipped, but it's holding steady. This, for me, represents a solid pickup from now until rotation. And after rotation, we might actually start seeing an immediate bump on it as people just kind of scramble to pick up their copies for EDH. Or it could just be a, a period of steady, prolonged growth into rotation. And it might stagnate there, but I don't see this card dropping because this is, like I, like I rattled off before, it's like a tier 2 Wrath in EDH, probably right behind a Chroma's Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, the issue is that it costs 5 CMC overall, but that Bounce Clause is really powerful. You're not gaining life Very. like you are with some other Wraths. You're only destroying creatures. You're not destroying can't be... Generated, so it's on par with Day of Judgment like that. But that bounce clause is super important because you get to save one of your value creatures, and like I said, you can either keep looping this wrath or whatever you want. And yeah. I, to me, this card just kind of speaks volumes about uh, wraths in EDH, and tells me that a wrath needs to do more than just end hostilities does, which is clear the board. Yeah, you gain some life. Bad. You need to do more, and this does it. So this is this is where I'm looking now and for probably the next couple of weeks I'll eat these up. Yeah. It's pretty solid. I also think you know, rats like this that have upside always have an absurd amount of EDH play mm -hmm. financially. And I think that this one especially, because there's a lot of times like I there's plenty of people that run like Bruna as a commander, right? And they're all in on blue white control until they can Voltron out of the game. Yep. This is perfect for that. So it plays into like a blue-white Voltron strategy. Uh, also, it reminds me a lot of Wrath of Lechnif, which was Finkel's original invitational card, which was, oh, okay. I was like, oh, four okay. mana, untap four lands, destroy all creatures, they can't be regenerated. Oh, it was going to be a Wrath cycle. Wrath, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, obviously, okay. pretty rough and overpowered, but great. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's dope. And yeah, uh, I know this, this just seems ripe for the picking. Yeah, I don't for sure. I don't think this is a standard player at all. I I can't imagine this card does work in standard. It's just too no. slow. And hostility was able to work because that format was not as quick as the current format can be. Yep. So you were able to get the five pretty easily and hold off. Like if you're slamming this into Dream Trawler, like maybe sure, but you still have to protect yourself from turns one through five, and that's. A a little risky in this current iteration of the format. You have to redevelop white blue control to really yeah. get there. Or or um Jess guy. So yeah. 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 This is where I am for this week. And like I said, this is probably gonna be one of the picks that I just nibble at for a while. It's forty cents is with immediate pretty pretty easy to just go in on periodically yeah. and be like, alright, fine. Yep, with immediate return. I, I can remove twelve or so copies from the market and not feel bad about it. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
So uh, that's all I got for this week. Same. All right. So, you know, remember, we're still looking for uh, anything you guys want to see. Just leave us feedback uh, on YouTube. We got a really nice piece. We might actually be changing uh, how we do things uh, with the uh, Patreon and some unique kind of out-of-sequence casts. So yes, uh, we'll have some information about that coming forward. Uh, other than that, though, I am at Halt, I am Reptar. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, iTunes, uh, Stitcher. And yep. we'll see you at the NAMI event in May. Thanks, guys.